Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. You'll be glad you came today again. Amen. We've been talking about more vision. And I've talked about several issues around vision this month. It's really been challenging for me because as I've been sharing on more vision, really Jesus has really, or God has really been speaking to me about more vision as well. Just more vision. And every time God begins to speak about you need to see more, he begins to challenge you and expand uh, you know, almost like he's expanding you, it feels like. You know, like somebody's forcefully expanding you. God constantly challenging you to see more. I guess it's because it's important. What you see is what you become. Did I say that? What you see is what? Is what you become. Amen? So I, I remember the first time I shared on this, I, I talked to you about the vision God really wants you to see. And that is him. Then I talked to you about the sevenfold vision for every believer. And we looked at the, the, the things Jesus wanted the church to see when he spoke to each and every church in the book of Revelation, the seven churches. And he says it represents a complete picture of the vision he wants us to see. Amen. Amen. That under the premise that vision does not begin by you thinking an idea and saying this is my vision. It begins by seeing Christ first. If you make him your vision, he will give you more vision. Hello. And then last week we we talked a little bit outside there before our barbecue. we, We started to talk about vision in terms of missions. And I shared four places of mission. That, that, that four places of mission that you can engage in, in terms of vision, in terms of mission. What does he see? I said, the first thing is what? You can actually do, engage in missions by inviting people to Christ, to where he is. So inviting people to church. By the way, these things I'm not just saying, I need to start seeing them happen. Learning to invite people to church is getting involved in missions. Do not treat it lightly. Just because the last person you invited said no does not mean that's it. You are constantly engaged in the vision for missions that Jesus has. By constantly inviting people to church. You see, I just invited you to a conference next year. It's part of missions. You are constantly inviting people to church, to church place, to places where they will encounter God, to places where, you know, to, to, to Bible studies, if there is a Bible study in your house, to things like that. You are constantly drawing people in. That's part of missions. We said the second part of missions that we need to get involved in is, is the part of missions which has to do with speaking the good news, always bringing the good news to the people. Are you with me? Martins just came from Italy. You know? Blessed art thou that can speak other languages. 
you can bring good news in Italia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in English. Amen. Huh? And, 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 and you know, so bringing good news to the people is part of getting involved in what? Missions. Telling people Jesus loves them. We speak the good news to people. <laughs> Are you with me? I want you to get courageous about this because you're just scared of nothing. Trust me, you're scared of nothing. When you look at people and you go, oh, this one, it's, you're scared of nothing. There's only one way to know. When you start telling them, then you realize you're scared of what? Nothing. Hello? So that's last week's talk around what? Vision, more vision in missions. Catching more vision with missions. Are you with me? So invite people. Speak the good news to people. The third thing we said what? Bring the presence of God to people. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that a bit more today. But bring the presence of God to people. By you coming into a place, the presence of God can come into that place. There is potential the presence of God can come into that hospital ward because Benny just walked in. There is potential that the presence of God can come into that school because Asante just walked into that school. There is potential that the presence of God can come in that workplace. Why? Because you just got employed there. You know, we like to think it's the boss that employed you. It is God that is always employing you. In all these places, it is God saying, now I need to bring him here. I need to bring Chooks here. And, you know, because he's trying to bring his presence there, he has to find someone who contains his presence. Hello? If you catch this secret, you will never suffer for a job. Because you know you've got work. You are so employable. Why? Because I carry the presence of God. I will go where God wants me. And God will keep. And the more faithful you are, the more doors he keeps opening. Because now he can use you much easier. That is another way we engage in ministry. By just bringing the presence of God there. You go there, you begin to pray for people. You begin to help people find healing. Are you with me? Then we said the fourth thing you're going to engage in missions is what? Learn to pray for areas. Do a good old-fashioned prayer walk. Get out of that door of yours and walk on the street and pray. And claim that ground for God. Pray. Do you know it is so easy to get out of my house Look at house number seven and say, today I'm going to pray for everyone in house number seven. It is so easy. I can do it. Step out of your door and start praying. Getting involved in what? Missions. That was last week. Amen. Well, here we go. This week, I want to talk to you about what I've entitled, first love, then revival. Okay. First love, then revival. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. First love, then revival. Why am I going to talk about this? Because I noticed, okay, there are sermons you receive because you are praying. And God tells you what to talk about. 
But there's sometimes if God has given you a vineyard to look after, like he has given me, then you have to observe and see what's happening in the vineyard and decide to talk about certain things. Are you with me? It will be a foolish farmer who always just looks for revelation before without looking at their ground and saying, oh, it needs weeding now. Right? So I observed last week when I, said, when, I, when I started challenging you guys and I said, who was engaged in missions this week? I observed that most of you did not engage in it. And I want to speak to you about that. Because missions is really the heart of God. I observed that there's a culture that sometimes if we are not careful, we can birth as Christians. A culture that says we go to work to make some money and then we buy a house so that we can have a house. I mean, God expects us to have a house and then we have a church we go to so we can worship God. And your life is like that and the things are never interlinked and yet you're the same person. If God is in your life, He is at the center of everything. So everything is linked. The reason you go to work begins to be Him. The reason you have a house and you buy it where you buy it, that area, is also because of Him. And the reason you have a church is also because of Him. You become a person that God can use anywhere in these things. Amen? So I want to kick away the culture that says, um, I, I, I love Jesus, but not at work. I want to kick that culture out. I don't want to pastor a church that looks like that. I love Jesus, but not in my neighborhood. No, 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 we are very private people. We don't talk to strangers. I love Jesus, but not at school. Not in uni, nothing. No, no, no. I, I, I keep to myself. I'll never talk to anybody about Christ. I want to keep that lie out of your life. Because the devil is lying. The devil is lying and he's been lying to many of us. And so, we can be in a workplace and never find room to bring the kingdom there. I remember a few months ago, we sat down with, with uh, the, uh, the guy that was the chairman, or is it the chief executive of uh, uh, Evangelical Alliance. And as he's talking, he says, uh, do you know that many Christians think it is illegal to witness at their workplace? And it dawned on me, and I went, yeah, I remember, yeah, I still think it is illegal. He says, no, no, it's not. It's not illegal. To witness to anybody at your workplace, it is how you do it that becomes an issue. Because he says, it is ridiculous for Christians to think it's illegal, and yet they are allowed to have conversation. Are you allowed to have conversation with your colleagues? I'm not talking about, it might be harder to minister to your clients, for those of us that see clients, because you're seeing clients on behalf of your workplace. And if your workplace is not about preaching the gospel, you shouldn't therefore, you're not employed to do that. Right? But I'm talking about colleagues and we have conversations. You know, it, and I thought, yeah. 
How, how did this lie get so far that most of us, we, 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 we just believe we should shut up about Christ at work? To your colleagues, no. There's nothing illegal about it. To your colleagues, you can have a conversation and Jesus can come in conversation. As long as you're having a conversation, what would be wrong is the time you're supposed to be working, you're standing up and setting up pulpit and preaching Jesus. You will get fired. And Jesus won't get you rehired. <laughs> That's unwise. What is wise is we always have conversations. You know, I, I, at work, you, I've had conversations about football many times. I've had conversations about, oh, especially now, there's Brexit. Oh, every seminar you go to, somehow it pops up. You can have conversations about Christ. It's totally not illegal. And, 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 and you can have conversations. So, so, do you get what I'm trying to say? I want to kick the lie out. I want us to understand part of us being who we are is we are the people that bring the presence of God wherever we go. And that has to be a culture we have in us. One scripture that moves me a lot, before I read you the scriptures I want to read in Acts 19, one scripture that moves me a lot is when I read Acts 8, uh, I think the, verse, the first few verses, and it says, and those that were scattered preached Christ everywhere where they went. That is us. We are scattered already by work and all that. You see, these believers used to stay together, eat together, meet daily, and then persecution came and they scattered. Us, we are already scattered. Look, if you, if you don't believe me, at the end of this service, notice the directions people go into. <laughs> there will be different directions. Someone will go that way, another one will drive that way, another one will drive that way. Are you with me? We are scattered already. But are we preaching the gospel? And this is the culture we want to bring. If we pray for revival, this is how revival comes. First love. Acts chapter 19. I'm going to read you this story from verse, uh, verse 1. Is it verse 1 I'm reading? Yeah, I think it's going to be verse 1. Yeah, verse 1. From verse 1. Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus, where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. The first thing he asked them was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they replied, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Paul asked, then what was the meaning of your baptism? They responded, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. Paul said, John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins. And he taught you to believe in and follow the one who was coming after him. Jesus, the anointed one. When they understood this, they were baptized into the authority of Jesus, the anointed one. And when Paul laid his hands on each of the twelve the Holy Spirit manifested and they immediately spoke in tongues or other tongues and prophesied. I'll pause there for a moment. You get the story? As I read Acts chapter 19 for these verses, I want to show you how revival comes as people have been praying for revival for many years. 
and wondering why it's not here. This is how it comes. Paul comes into a place called Ephesus. And when he comes into a place called Ephesus, he finds 12 men. These men hold themselves to be believers in God. And as, as he begins to talk to them, he discovers somehow that they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So he asks the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Hmm? There is something about them that is making Paul ask this question. <coughs> Number one, my, this is my suggestion. I feel like the first thing is he has observed that there is only 12 of them. John the Baptist was preaching about 40 years, 30 years before that, between 30 and 40 years. So they had believed in the baptism of John the Baptist for over 20 years. And there was no change in the city. Are you with me? John preached, finished, Jesus rose up, did what he did, died, rose again. And these men were believers. During the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, they were believers. The apostles came. They started to preach. They turned Jerusalem in a short time, upside down. 3,000 people got saved. 5,000 people got saved in a short time. These men were still believers. Just two of them. <coughs> so when Paul turns up, because he gets saved now later. When Paul gets saved, he expects where there are believers to see a mighty move of God. So when he turns up in a city like Ephesus and he finds only 12, he goes in. Which baptism did you receive? Because how come you have not had an impact for so many years? Did you get it? Because they believed in John's preaching. Do you see how many years it has gone by? John by now is dead. And they just say, we believe in what John taught us. And they have no impact in the city. So Paul goes, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Which baptism did you receive? In other words, he's saying, if there's something you didn't receive, I hope you're catching this. The spirit of revival. <laughs> you see, God, you know, and it's the true expectation of God. When we are filled with him, and with his spirit, he expects there's going to be a change in our environment. He just expects that. So Paul was right. He looked at this man. He says, 12? 12? You see, it is a tendency of people. When they believe, they, they, they end up with the wrong things. John the Baptist was preaching. He was saying, come to, to me. And if I baptize you, I'm preparing a way for the one whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. They didn't hear any of that. All they heard is come and get baptized with me and follow me. So John died and they are left here when Paul is saying, what happened when you believed? They said uh, we were baptized into John. He says, uh, 
What's the meaning of that? They said it meant that we would follow John's teaching. And Paul says, no, it didn't mean that you'd follow John's teaching. John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins. And he, John, taught you to believe in and follow the one who was coming after him. Jesus Christ. So they're wrong. They haven't even gone past John. The tendency of human beings to settle in religious gatherings together and have wonderful fellowship. Eat cakes. Come to our church. We have nice coffee. You know? And we, and we just settle like this. And some Christians don't like it. As soon as you begin to push and say, no, 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 no. You get to grow up. There's missions. There's a world to reach. They begin to jump and say, no, God is speaking to us to go to another church. No, he's not speaking to you. You're speaking to yourself. <laughs> Are you with me? So these guys, praise God, they opened their hearts. They said to Paul, come on, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. But they're not arguing with him. Their posture is, really? You mean there is more? And Paul says, yeah. And they believed. He, he led them to Christ or baptized them into Jesus and laid hands on them. And the Spirit of God came upon them. They began to prophesy and to speak in tongues. Hallelujah. How is revival coming? First, there must be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So if you see that the city is not responding as much to the gospel, you should understand you need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you see that your family is not responding and there's no revival happening in your family, what you need is not more family meetings. You need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? You see, listening to Bill Johnson the last week, and he, and, he, and, he, and he had this attitude that really, really, really stuck. He stuck with me when he said it. He said, uh, there's many people nowadays who travel to come and see me from all over the world. So that I can pray for them. And perhaps God would touch them. And there's many that come for healing to Bethel. We know that, right? So, so he says, uh, but what pains me is that some people come and they see me and they encounter God. And they go back healed, changed totally. But what pains me is that some people come and all they meet is me. And therefore they go back unchanged. And I sat there and I thought, isn't that true? For most of us. All the people at work are seeing is you. So their lives are not changing. All the people in your family are seeing is and encountering is just you. And he summed it up with this statement. We owe the world an encounter with Christ. And I said, yes, sir. When people come, they must encounter Christ in us. It's the only hope they have to encounter Christ in us. When they're meeting you tomorrow at work or at school or wherever you are, it might be the only hope they have to encounter Christ. By meeting you. So if people are not encountering Christ. By meeting you. What you need is not to cut yourself. Like the prophets of Baal. 
It's not that. What you need is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Paul recognized it immediately. He walks into Ephesus, finds 12 men. Hey, brothers, hey, believers. Hey, two minutes later, he's recognized it. The reason this is not moving the way it should move is there is no outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So he begins to ask searching questions. He knew the answer. He's asking the questions, but he knows the answer. He's saying, which baptism did you receive? Because he knows this is not the Holy Ghost. He hasn't touched here yet. Are you with me? I'm really encouraging you today. I really want you to feel encouraged. You know, not to go saying, oh, I'm useless. I can't reach the people at my workplace. I'm useless. I can't reach my neighborhood. I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm rubbish. I can't even open my mouth to anybody about Christ. Not to go thinking like that. But I want you to go thinking, I need an outpouring. I need more of the Holy Spirit. And that's what, I, you know, the attitude I was saying when I mentioned Bill Johnson. It's the fact that he was saying, and you know, many people get healed through his ministry at Bethel. Many people. But he has this attitude. He was saying, my attitude is this. When somebody leaves and nothing has happened, it pains me. And I go back to the Father. And I say, God, why? All means all. It says you will pour up your spirit upon all flesh. Oh, why? You can, there, there is something in me that you need to remove. Yeah. Pour your spirit more in me. So I want you to go home encouraged like that, saying, my God, my workplace, for those people to ever listen to me, I need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And begin to cry for that. That's how revival happens. When you begin to cry for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you begin to cry for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you begin to cry for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, guess what's happening? I read somewhere recently, it says, prayer is not the prerequisite for revival. Prayer is revival itself. When you begin to cry, God, pour your Spirit upon me, upon us, upon our house, upon our family, upon, pour your spirit. God, do you think God is going to say yes? yes. You see, there, there is a problem for some of us. Because we never think God is going to say yes. And yet it says all the promises of God are yes and amen approved in Christ. If you are in Christ, he's going to say yes. He's already said yes. In fact, before you... Have you read the scripture that says, before you pray, before you begin, he knows what you're going to ask of? Yeah. What does that mean? It means he's just waiting for you to be ready. There's times, I don't claim to be like this all the time, but there's times I can anticipate my children. You know, I can literally anticipate what they're going to say. So I, I know what's going to say. As soon as they say, Daddy... I know what's going to say. <laughs> you know? So when we're in the car and we're driving, driving from London, as soon as they say, Daddy, I know the question might be. And I can actually tell exactly what the question is. You know? I said, Daddy, what are we going to eat? Daddy, where are we going to sleep? Daddy, I can anticipate that. And so I, I can even have an answer in advance sometimes. God can anticipate you. Like properly predict you, know you. Before you open your mouth crying for an outpouring, he has the outpouring already for you, waiting for you. And there is you now going, ah, maybe he won't say yes. 
You know what that does? It just offends him. You need to start crying. God, pour your spirit. You with me? That's the answer. The answer is not start beating yourself up. Oh, I need more training for evangelism. And no, the answer is pour more of your spirit. I'm not saying you don't need training. I'm not saying you might not need to be, to be helped to learn how to speak to people. I'm not saying that. You might need that as well. But that has never been the biggest problem. Have you heard that God sent a certified stammerer to go and deliver over a million people from Egypt? His name was Moses. God has never had problems with training. He's had problems with people not hungry for his spirit. Hello? So Paul found them and he steered up the hunger. Twelve men. Twelve men filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what began to happen? Now look what began to happen. This is revival. Verse 8. For three months Paul taught openly and fearlessly in the synagogue. Because he's got 12 men with him. Arguing persuasively for them to enter God's kingdom. But some of them hardened their hearts and stubbornly refused to believe. When they spoke evil of the way in front of the congregation. So they started to, to speak evil, blaspheme against what Paul was teaching. And Paul would have none of it. So he left. The Bible says what happened? Paul left. And he went into a hole owned by a guy called Tyrannus. Now, in history, we are told that this guy at the school, he was a philosopher. And so he was interested in what Paul was teaching. So he said to Paul, come and teach. When one door shuts, God opens the next one. And the next one was bigger than the previous one. This is what I believe. So as you go to your workplace and you say, outpouring, outpouring, and the Holy Spirit begins to move through you, and some people become stubborn, do not fear. Oh. You know, I was somewhere this morning, I said I was at Millennium Harvest, and the speaker there, got, uh, Dr. Shingi Menyeza, he's a, he's, a, he's a Zimbabwean, he's a pastor, he's a presidential advisor, he's a millionaire, really. He's a, he's, 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 a, he's a very successful leader. And one of the things that he spoke about this morning was like, most of us fail because we're too scared to lose anything. So he was saying, I've been in business and I've been in ministry. All I know is that a person who's too scared to walk away from things does not amount to anything. It's true in business, it's true in ministry. You must reach a place where you are not too scared to walk away from things. If you're in a transaction and you're doing a business deal, the person who's ready to walk away wins. That's the trick Donald Trump is trying to use all the time. Because he acts like he's ready to walk away. The person who's ready to walk away always wins. The person who, you know, was like, okay, whether, I mean, my life is not dependent on this deal, man. If I lose it, I lose it. But I'm not going to go like that. And you walk away. Usually what happens is two days later, they ring you back. You know what? We thought about what you were saying. What do you really want us to do? Are you with me? That's true in business. And it's true in life. If you love your life, Jesus said, 
you will lose it. But if you lose it, you gain it. You must be ready. In Revelation it says, they did not their love their lives even unto death. They were like, like Daniel and his friends. Throw us in the fire. Great. But we will not stop worshipping our God. What does it mean? We are ready to walk away from our lives. We are ready to take our lives, put them in your hands. But you will not stop us from worshipping God. That's what we're talking about. When we begin to talk about what began to happen with Paul. Ready. He walked away. The guys in the synagogue start speaking evil, evil. He was ready to leave that platform. And as he left that platform, he was given another one. And this time, daily. Daily. Not for one day. Not for one week. For two years. Every day. He was now preaching the gospel. In the synagogue, they were giving him a chance once a week. In this hall, daily, he's preaching. There were students already gathered in this place. Students are gathering daily. And it says, it says, you see how revival begins to happen. The first thing is outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The second thing, fearless. Be ready. To walk away from things. If revival is going to come to that workplace of yours, stop fearing losing the job. Now, I'm not saying go be careless and just lose your job. That's <laughs> not what I'm saying. But some of us are too scared. We think if your job ends, that's the end of your life. In fact, you've probably heard people say that. My life is finished. They just fired me. How can your life finish? How can your life finish? <laughs> a company that perhaps wasn't even there when you were growing up. How can that thing finish your life? We must be ready to walk away. When God says, this is it, it that's it. Elijah was sent to a brook by God to drink from that brook by God. And God himself dried the thing up. And Elijah had to get up and walk away. God does such things in life to teach you to learn to walk away. Sometimes if you're not learning to walk away, he just shuts it down. And you try and you try and you try and the thing won't work because you refuse to walk away from it. Free. To say, you know, this is a heart of gratitude. What I'm talking about is what cultivates a heart of gratitude. Because you, you'll be grateful for the job you have, for the opportunities you have in your career, and you are grateful for them because God has given them to you. You're grateful for them. And you're thankful to God. But you also know that He can shut that down and open the next one. It's fine. And because you honor God and you have a heart of gratitude, you will say, what can I do in this place? To honor my God. You see, we, we, we're tired of testimonies that are just about, oh, you know, God has honored me. He has given me promotion. Hallelujah. Can, he, can you honor him in your workplace? And let him touch lives so you can bring a different testimony? Huh? I'm trying to change things here. 
Because there's too much going on around Christians that is just about them. Me, fix me, my disease must go. Uh, I mean, you know, me, 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 I must have a great life. God must, because, you know, yes, but where is the honor for God? Where is his vision? Who's going to do his vision? Is he, all you think about is your personal stuff. Would you even be served? Like saved, I mean. Would you even be saved if some people only thought about themselves? You're only saved because somebody caught the vision. They looked and they found Jesus saying, Go! 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 I want many! And you go. And somebody came and they found you. That's how I got saved. Somebody came and found me. Somebody came found you. And you got saved. The same thing. When we begin to look at him and we begin to see his vision, people are going to get saved. Hallelujah. Now, I'm a bit all over the place, but I'm trying to show you this. So Paul, the second thing that happens is what? And is fearless, therefore another door opens. God will keep opening doors for you. Come on. You're going to receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And may God keep opening doors for you. Do not fear man who can only kill the flesh. Your boss is not really your boss. Jesus is in charge. And, and, and if you really understand that and, and spiritually understand who is in charge and honor him first, whatever career he has put you in, whatever path he has put you in, he's going to just continue increasing you. You become light in his hands and he can handle you because you're not fearful of people, of, of being in transition. Of, you're not fearful of things like that. Hmm... Let's finish this because it says God kept. Listen, listen to this in verse 11. Verse 11. Revival kicks in big time. God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Because of this, people took Paul's handkerchiefs and articles of clothing, even pieces of cloth that had touched his skin, laying them on the bodies of the sick, and the diseases and demons left them, and they were healed. You see how revival has, is happening now? First, the outpouring. Two, release from fear. Then you begin to see God releasing things. Handkerchiefs. Handkerchiefs, clothes. These were not just handkerchiefs that belonged to Paul. People would bring handkerchiefs to Paul. And, and, and Paul would bless them. And people would go and get healed of handkerchiefs. Are you with me? I remember my sister, she's, she's late now, she's, she's went to be with the Lord. But my oldest sister, the first born in our family, had the first child. And then she wanted a second child. And seven years later, she still didn't have a second child. And, 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 and she was really crying to God for a second child. Both her husband were, and, 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 and how we're believers. And, and, then, and then this is what happened one time. They were watching television and, and, and a preacher came on. I think it was Dr. Nevers Mumbai, if not Benny Hinn, I can't remember. One of the two. Uh, a preacher, a, a Zambian preacher that was very strong because we were in Zambia in those days. Uh, um, and came on, on TV. And as they are watching, he says, uh, you know, if you're believing God for a child, uh, you know, just, just there's a woman believing God who's watching me right now. Just touch your screen. And she touched the TV. The tiny black and white TV. A 14-inch thing, tiny. And, and, and she touched it. And, 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 and she had a child. 
And the child's name was Faith. Uh, you know, Paul's aprons and handkerchiefs and all that would travel and heal people. That's what happens. If you really begin to believe God for the outpouring and you begin to be fearless in your approach to bringing the good news into your workplaces, people will, will, will begin to get healed in your workplace. Seriously. I remember, I've told you this before, when I worked for Boots, one of the biggest accolades I had, I was just a pharmacy technician. I wasn't in charge of anything. I was just turning up and assisting pharmacists. That's what I was doing. But I became so good because of the grace I carried. And, 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 and at some point, my, my, not my immediate manager, a guy, two managers above me, a regional manager. So I had a, a, an area manager, and then I had, a, I had a district manager, and then I had a regional manager. So, so a regional manager is the one that came to the place where I was working. By then I was in, in, in Ings Road. You know Ings, that side? And the shop was very troublesome, things were going on. And, and, and my regional manager says to me, Philip, I didn't even know he knows my name. He's a regional manager. I'm just an assistant. I'm so far away from him. And he says, Philip, do you, do you know why we trust you in these places? Because you just bring a calming influence. You bring peace in these places. So that's the word that was going on. My manager had told his manager and his manager had told the other manager. You can touch so many lives in your workplace. Don't be so scared. Oh, if they know I'm a Christian, they will think I am a homophobe. They will think that, but you will change their mind. Because they will know that you are not. Are you? No, you're not. I don't know where I'm going that far, but let me finish. Revival broke out. People got healed. <laughs> I have stories. <laughs> I remember one of my, my work colleague. Asked her husband to ring me. I was working on Beverly High Road. The boots on Beverly High Road. If you know the boots. As you go into my house, there's a boot shop on the right. That was my first boot shop I worked at. She asked her husband to ring me. Because she just felt I am the one who can talk to her husband. I don't know the man. <laughs> This is, aprons getting begin to go far. I've done it before at work, literally prayed for a tissue. I, I've done it before. It's like, really, let me pray for a tissue. I prayed for this other woman's soldier, uh, soldier daughter. She was going to Afghanistan, and she was really worried, and their house was really worried, but the daughter wanted really to go. And that's when it was in the heat of that war, and kids were, and, and soldiers were dying. I say kids, because most of them were kids. They were 19. They were, most of them were young, and her daughter was going, and they, they had so much distress in the family. And, I, and, and she came to me, and I said, okay, bring me, bring, bring me a tissue. And so she brings me a severe tissue, and, and I lay my hands on it, I pray, and I said, give this to your daughter, let her keep it in her pocket as she goes to Afghanistan. Just to bring peace in their house. I did that. I know the girl came back, because she got married two years ago. Amen. But you, know, you can reach me. They are looking for you. They are looking for you. Outpouring, fearless. Then God begins to do things. Amen? Amen. Let us finish this way. 
Verse 17, I've skipped a lot of things. Verse 17 says, All of the people in Ephesus were all struck. <laughs> I told you all means all, right? All the people. You want to reach this city? This is how we reach the city. When you begin to believe for an outpouring, you become fearless where you are, where God has sent you. Begin to understand it is God who sent me here anyway. Don't be too scared of your supervisors and all this. Just, just understand God sent me here. God will use me here. You become fearless. God will then begin to manifest by doing extraordinary things. Wherever you are, he will use you as he used Paul's handkerchiefs. I mean, God can use a handkerchief. You, you are a whole person. An entire person. He will use you. And when he begins to do extraordinary things, then this is going to start happening now. All the people. Somebody say all the people. This is the fourth thing. This is revival now in full swing. Now most of us like the all the people part. <laughs> but, but it took time for Paul to come to all the people. How many years? Two years. Every day. Preaching. Healing the sick. Two years. Then we hear all the people. We are now in awe of what God was doing. They heard about what had happened. Great Fear fell over the entire city. And the name of Jesus was exalted. Isn't that what you want? It's not a song that's going to exalt the name of Jesus. I'm sorry. People need a song when they reach this stage. You can give them the song there. But the song itself will not exalt the name of Jesus. It's people, you and me, filled with the Holy Spirit, fearless in our witness. That will bring people to exalt the name of Jesus. When they want to exalt Jesus, then you can give them the song. Because uh -huh. our generation has think songs are what's going to exalt Jesus. So get on the street and just sing. We exalt you, we exalt you. We are, there's nothing happening. There could be something happening in terms of just the atmosphere. Things are shifting. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. But the people are not exalting Jesus. Your neighbors are looking through the window saying, Oh, we didn't know Jukes is this crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously, I'm just telling you for real what's going on. And sometimes Christians are measured in those things and thinking they're exalting the name of Jesus. Look at how it happens in the Bible. This is not the only place. There's many places. Philip goes to Samaria. They're doubting him. He begins to preach Christ. <sighs> he encounters this magician called the Great One, the God. He shows that he's more powerful than this God called the magician, the sorcerer. Then the whole city turns up and begins to exalt Jesus. He didn't go there just singing a song. Our generation thinks if we go down the street and sing a song, we are exalting Jesus in our city. We need to see, to cry for the outpouring. The problem we have is it's hard work to cry for the outpouring. And so we would rather just sing a song that sounds like we are exalting Jesus in the city. Oh, Jesus exalted in the park. Oh, Shandai, Kubra, Sidaba. Jesus exalted in our city. Huh. 
He's not. He's watching and he's saying, no. Because he's only exalted when the Holy Spirit does his work. I told you before, the Holy Spirit is the only one licensed to exalt Jesus. You cannot exalt Jesus except through the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said, no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Spirit of the Lord is on them. The Holy Spirit is the only one with license to bring honor to Jesus. And if you want to exalt him, you've got to get with the Holy Spirit. Outpouring first. I, I know, I, I know my, as a sermon, I'm all over the place. But as a message, I know what I'm talking about. It's very clear. Outpouring first. Hello? Jesus is Lord. Are you with me? So these people saw such a great revival. Such a great revival. And then 40 years later, Jesus writes them a letter in Ephesus. And I'm going to finish there. 40 years later, he writes them a letter. About 40 years later. Okay, if you read your history. It's about 40, 50 years later. Jesus writes a letter and he says, he says, write to the messenger of the congregation in Ephesus. Where there was this revival, eh? 40 years before. Tell them, these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand. Who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know, I know all that you have done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claimed to be apostles and proved they are not. For they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passion, love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. And do the works of love you did at first. So 40 years later, they have abandoned the revival. It's not happening. And I feel like this is where we are. I feel like this is where most of the church is at. I feel like if you go to most churches in our city and we say how many people are getting engaged in in letting the power of God work through them in their workplaces, I feel like we're going to have less than 10%. I, I, just, just, I just feel like we, we are at this place where they found themselves. How can such people that have seen such a great revival, started with their outpouring, end up in a place where Jesus is saying, I, I'm, I, I'm happy for the things you're doing, but you're not longer have the first love, the passion for me that you had. In other words, you've changed the reason you're doing these things. Your motivation has changed. Now your motivation is about having being Christian, maintaining your reputation, being comfortable, having a church. I feel like this is where we are at. This is why I see this message I'm saying is very, very strong and prophetic for me. It's the sense that we're going to have to drag ourselves into this place of repentance and begin to say, Jesus, first love, then revival. 
I feel like as a church we are in a place where we believe in revival more than we love Christ. We pray for revival more than we love Him. And it's a big deal. A passion for Him. What did they do before? They lived under an outpouring. They were consistent in bringing good news to others, including taking handkerchiefs. They had faith that God would do great and mighty things. Forty years later, they're just working hard to preserve themselves. Let me finish this way. Forty years later, they are in defense mode. And most of us as Christians, if we're not careful, we, are, we find ourselves in defense mode. Where we are, we are on our back foot. Because all we are doing is, is, is supposedly fighting the devil, fighting against things that are happening. I refuse. My, you will not take my children. I refuse. You will not take my money. I refuse. You will not take my house. I refuse. I re yeah. Defense mode. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I want you to get on your front foot. Because it's on the front foot that you see God move. Are you with me? Yeah. I feel like as a church we are, we are here. Just, just defend, defending, defending, defending. This world needs to see the power of God. I borrow the words of Bill Johnson as I finish. We owe them an encounter with God. Wherever we are, God sent us. We owe those people in our family, the people in our neighborhoods, the people in our schools, we owe them an encounter with God. Are they going to have one? We need to go again and start saying, God, Jesus, I want to burn with a passion for you. That's when you know the outpouring is happening. The passion for Christ rises. I will not need to say, how many got engaged in missions? You will be queuing up. You will be excited and waiting for Sunday because you've got a story to share. And that's the way it should be. This is a celebration. This service is supposed to be a celebration of believers who are coming back with reports. Saying, no, 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 Pastor, you, you, you've got to give me a chance. I need to say something. I need, I need to say something. Because God has just done an amazing work. Hello? And we're going to squeeze seven time down and down and down and down. Because everybody will have a song and a report. Isn't that what the Bible says? Let's stand up.